0: We are continuing our study in, in, the, in the book of Acts, and so if you would turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Throughout the history of, of, of this world, we've seen the Lord work in just incredible ways. Recorded for us in Scripture of ways in which the Lord has worked. Uh, just, just, just mighty ways of creation, and you, you, you see the... The spirit of the Lord hovering over the the waters and, and the power of our God as He speaks things into creation, the rejoicing of the angels as they see these things take place. we watch grace being poured out on Adam and Eve we, we, we see that that a promise of a of a, a savior, one that would come from the woman that would crush the the serpent 's head this promise that 's given, and then we see promise after promise after promise of God saying this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make covenants with you. I'm going to make promises with you and here are the things that I am going to do. Here are the things that I am going to accomplish and this is what I'm going to do. And He he just does things in such a way that we know that it's all whether it be Abraham and, and him Having a, a, a son and, 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 and something that, that nobody ever thought would have actually happened. And yet, when they're way beyond the years of having kids, that's what God does. We see the way that he worked through Noah and, and the judgment that came upon the earth and the promises that were given. And you can go all through scripture and you're going to find promises, covenants, God working, God reaching out, God doing miraculous things. In Acts chapter 2, we find that. In Acts chapter 2, we find what is known as Pentecost occurring. When I think of, of this world, and I think of all that is occurring in this world, um, you could go across the globe, and you can see what's occurring in places like Europe, where the church is so far from what it was during the time of of the reformation and and you you go to areas like like Scotland or Germany or places like Switzerland or France or places like the, um, the Netherlands Holland um, England and and you will find it to be the, these areas that were once like the 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 place in which missionaries were going forth like crazy and books were being written and seminaries were being opened and the church was flourishing. Many of those churches today are just simply empty. You look at and, and see what, what takes place in, in other areas in which the gospel continues to go forth and the church is growing and spreading and, and, and we see the Lord doing just incredible things in different pockets of this world. And we pray for that. We pray for revival in, in places like Europe. We pray for the gospel to go forth in places like China or places like, like North Korea or other areas like that. And, and, and we just pray that God would just work in incredible ways through South America or Africa. But we pray that the Lord would work in our land here, in our country. We, we can find during times of elections and, and, and other times where polls are taken that that we've become more and more the minority here in our country. Um, granted, there's a lot of people that, that have similar views. It's just, it's, it's not what it was. There's a change that has occurred. We pray for a revival in our country from coast to coast. We pray for a revival in our state, that God would change the hearts of those within our state, being in a state which is one in, in which would have some of the very most liberal views of, of sin and the way that it should be approached. But then coming down to our church, we, we pray that God would cause revival in our church, don't we? Pray that, that that God would 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 create such a passion for the gospel and such a, a hunger for his word, and that we as a church would be using the gifts that he's given us to truly build each other up. Stirring up the gifts that are within us for the building up or the edification of the entire body. I thank the Lord for for things like what Trevor desires to, to, to do with the young adults ministry here on on next Sunday, and I, I pray the gospel would go forward in just a powerful way. I love what's taking place with ministering to homeless people coming up, and you have the opportunity to serve there. I love seeing outreaches take place, whether it be to Haiti or to Utah or to Colorado City or, or Asia or Africa or wherever it is that God calls us to. But I pray that it would be more, that there would be such a passion for the gospel, such a love for one another that we're caring for one another and loving one another and ministering to each other's needs and, and holding each other accountable and encouraging one another in the word and learning to think more biblically. I pray that the kids are raised up to just have a gigantic view of who God is and a love for the gospel. But we pray for even within, within our own hearts, don't we? God, caused me to hate sin and, and, and caused me to... to love righteousness and cause me to be a light here in this land and cause me to to walk in a way that's pleasing to you in every area of my life. And we want revival in our own lives, that it might affect our marriages, that it might affect our families, that it might affect everything that's around us. We we pray for that. We pray for the Lord to work mightily in our church and in our families and us individually. And it's encouraging when we Pray for things like this, to be able to know the God in whom we're praying to. A God who can work like that. A God who can can work mightily in in and through His people. A God who could work mightily in the church, as we will find on Pentecost, a God who could work mightily through someone like Martin Luther during the time of the Reformation. But a God who can work mightily here in this particular place, at this particular time, in our particular lives, a God that can just work in incredible ways. And we will see that that same God who was there during creation or there at the cross or there at Pentecost is the same God in whom we serve this morning. Our text before us begins in Acts chapter 2, and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, They were all with one accord in the place, in in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews devout men from every nation under heaven and when this sound occurred the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language then they all then they were all amazed and marvelled saying to one another look are not all these who speak Galileans and how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born Parthians and Medes and Elamites and those dwelling in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya joining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what could this mean others mocking mocking said they are full of new wine we see this day this day of Pentecost and it says this day had fully had fully come Pentecost refers specifically to 50 days 50 days past the Passover it's what Pentecost means. The believers are all together there in great unity amongst them all. But we find that this particular day, Pentecost, was something that was looked forward to to come. The day had fully come. The day of Pente- Pentecost had fully come, it had been looked forward to throughout all of the Old Testament. We see God's redemptive plan and in, in, in what he's accomplishing given to us in this, 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 this timetable, this picture that's given in Leviticus chapter 23. It's interesting when you start thinking about how God operates and how he works and how his Holy Spirit gives life when he breathes into man. And then you continue to watch what he's doing throughout time. And he gives us these pictures and he tells us, here's things that are going to occur. And in Leviticus 23, we see that. We see God tell us in Leviticus chapter 23 that there's to be these, these three festivals that are to occur. And the first one is Passover. Talk specifically about Passover in Leviticus chapter 23. Telling them that, that this is what's to occur and, and, and you're to, to celebrate this particular day and it's to be a picture there of, of what God did when his people were set free and how he had come upon the people. And if there was the blood that was placed there upon the door post and over the door, if that was to occur, the, the angel of death would come over and pass over God's people and what he accomplished there and how he delivered the people. And they were to celebrate that particular feast with a, with a particular feast. but it was all pointing to Christ. That Passover lamb, the way in which the lamb was to be prepared, the kind of lamb that was to be picked, was all pointing to Christ. In 1 Corinthians 5, it says, Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Specifically referring to Christ. He is our Passover, or John the Baptist, when he sees Jesus coming, saying, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we know that Passover is looking to the cross and what was going to take place on the cross, and that's given to us in Leviticus 23. But also in Leviticus 23, there's a second feast, and that's the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and that's to be celebrated on the Sunday after Passover. And so there's this feast that would occur. On that Sunday and it was during this feast that they would offer their first fruits from the grain harvest and they celebrated the first fruits we think of the first fruits that are given and and them giving of their very best or the first fruits given of something that this is the first that's going to be given back to the Lord it's given to him but it's the first fruits of many that are gonna follow and so you start looking at it Passover. It's pointing to Christ and what he was going to do upon the cross. This feast of unleavened bread that's given in Leviticus chapter 23 is ultimately looking to the, resurre- to the resurrection of what would occur on that Sunday after Christ's death. We read in, in 1 Corinthians 15, but now, in verse 20, now Christ is risen from the dead. He's become... The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The first fruits. He rose again from the dead. He is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the first fruits. Afterward, those who our Christ at his coming. He is the resurrection. He rose again from the dead. He is the first fruits of that which is to follow. You think of Leviticus 23 and and God commanded to do the Passover. And then after that, you're going to do this, this feast of unleavened bread. And this is what you're going to do. It'll be celebrating the first fruits. This is what you're to do next. And then 50 days after that, There'll be a third feast, the feast of Pentecost, the feast of first fruits, uh, or the on, on the first the feast of first first fruits were those in which the priests would wave the sheath of grain before the Lord. But on Pentecost they would present two loaves. The loaves were to have leaven in them. Why? You have two loaves that are given, and and the leaven, which frequently would represent sin, represents the church. The church is there, and, and, and even we find that, that you have two loaves here of what they would say is Jew and Gentile together. In, in 1 Corinthians ten seventeen, it says, For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake in that one bread. Leviticus 23 was pointing to that. Leviticus 23 and verse 16, it says, count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. You shall bring from your dwellings two wave loaves, two tenths of an ephah. They shall be of fine flour and they shall be baked with leaven. They are the first fruits to the Lord. And you shall offer with the bread seven lambs of the first year without blemish, one young bull." Two rams, And they shall be as a burnt offering to the Lord with their grain offering and their drink offerings and offerings made by fire for a sweet aroma to the Lord. Do this. This is the third feast and it will be a sweet aroma to the Lord. And so what's taking place now is that you have people coming from all over the region. Jews that are coming back to Jerusalem 50 days after Passover and they are coming for this particular feast. But that feast is looking forward to Pentecost in the Holy Spirit. It's looking forward to these two loaves and what God's going to do within the church. And it's looking forward to those feasts in Leviticus 23, looking forward to this particular event that we look at in Acts chapter 2. You see Passover. You see the feast of of unleavened bread, looking forward to the first fruits of the resurrection. And now you see this, the birth of the church. And so when this day, the day of Pentecost, had fully come, here they are. They're all there with one accord and in one place. They're united in such a way that the Holy Spirit just inspires that you're in there. They're in one accord. People of different races, people of, of different backgrounds, people of, of different educations, people of different classes within society, and they are all there together in, in unity, much like what we have here this morning. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. This is awesome. You see these people and they're there. It's 120 that have been there and they've been called to wait upon the Holy Spirit who is to come. And they're there in this place, and they are together, and they are unified in that they believe in Christ, and they trust in Christ, and they hope for Him for their salvation, thinking upon the cross and believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And this noise comes suddenly from heaven, and it sounds like a rushing, mighty wind power this is god saying on this particular day the day in which you have been celebrating since leviticus 23 i'm going to do something right now and that is going to be the beginning of the church and the holy spirit given to the church and there is this noise that occurs like the sound of a rushing mighty wind it doesn't say that there is a wind there, like a rushing mighty wind there, but there is the sound of it. And it's not that it's exactly like that, but it's like that. You're going to find that all throughout Scripture where these writers are trying to describe something that is indescribable. And here they are talking about it, just, it sounds like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Holy Spirit is working in a way in which had never been a, something that had occurred before. He's gonna speak through these people and they're gonna start speaking in these Tongues in which is in all different kinds of languages. This particular day and the way in which the Holy Spirit is going to be working is something that was foreshadowed in Scripture. You see it in Ezekiel 36 where God says, I'll give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit within you. I'll take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. I'm going to do this. I am going to give you the Holy Spirit and he is going to do this work in your heart. You, you, you see it in Jeremiah 31 also where he says I'm going to write these things on your hearts. I'll be your God. You're going to be my people. You'll know me. In Joel chapter 2 and verse 28, it says, It shall come to pass afterward that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also, my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And he's doing that. He's pouring out his spirit upon these people. And they begin. To speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Holy Spirit is putting them these, these words within their mouths to be able to, to go forward. And as they're hearing this, it says, there are dwelling in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven." And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together. So they hear this sound, and people start coming. As they hear the sound, people from all different nations, devout Jews that have come more than likely for Pentecost, but people coming from all over and they see what's occurring. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language radical work of God here God is 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 ministering through the church and causes this sound like a mighty wind people hear it people start coming and then God's people are there and they and he, he gives them this utterance of of speech in which these Galileans in whom don't know these other languages start speaking with just clarity these things, and those that are there are listening, and they are just in awe of what's occurring. It says, they were all amazed, and they marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? And then it begins to go through and give example after example, after example, of the people who are there. And what is it that they're saying? We hear them speaking, in verse 11, in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. God's people are filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak, and what's coming forth out of their mouths is specific languages from these specific regions, and it's talking about the wonderful works of God. God's accomplishing it. It wasn't that these guys were sitting there just having some kind of service, praying like, God, we pray that you would just cause Pentecost to occur and that we would start speaking like this or doing things like this. This is just something that God said, like, I am going to do. They're just sitting there and all of a sudden the sound comes and people start hearing it and they come and, and there's tongues that go forward in which they start speaking about the wonderful, the wonderful works of God. And it's done in a way in which is just miraculous. So they were all amazed and perplexed saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Whatever could this mean? How is this even possible? They're Galileans. They don't know our languages. They're not from our tribes. They're not from the places that we were born. How are they able to articulate and speak like that, the wonderful works of God? And then others, mocking, said, these guys are drunk. They're full of new wine. I don't know. How is this happening? We, we are going to see the Lord work and just an incredible way through what's occurring here. Peter's going to get up, and we'll look at this next week, but Peter gets up and he preaches a sermon. But in this time, 3,000 people come to know Christ. 3,000 people believe. It wasn't that the early church had just this great plan there was no kind of great plan. They're just sitting in a room waiting. It wasn't that they had incredible resources to advertise with social media or to do other kinds of things. There's nothing like that. It is the Holy Spirit who is going to do this work in which he will receive all the glory. And he reaches out specifically to these people at this particular time and the Holy Spirit does an incredible work in the hearts of 3,000 people and they come to know Christ. It's awesome. We see here this filling of the Holy Spirit that comes over them. And people begin to speak. In our text that... Pastor Matt chose for our call to worship. It's a text that we we all read together, and it wasn't planned. But it specifically deals with the filling of the Holy Spirit. It says, do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Command that's given to us. Be filled. Filled with the Spirit, just as these people here are filled with the Holy Spirit as they begin to speak. And then it gives a description of this. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. It doesn't say anything about like speaking tongues. It's be filled with the Holy Spirit, and this is what this ought to look like. Speak to one another. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always to God the Father. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Be filled with the Spirit. Over my life, I've been to a lot of different countries. Um, Some of them dozens and dozens of times. Places like South Sudan, Sudan, Uganda, China, Vietnam, Indonesia, Burma, Pakistan, um, Romania. But there's certain countries that I've always wanted to go to, but they were some of the most closed countries. One of the countries that, that I've always wanted to go to is Iran. Just wanted to go there. It's, it's one of the most closed countries that you can think of as far as the opportunity to proclaim the gospel in a place like that. And I've always thought, I wonder what the church is like in Iran. Well, what is it like to be a Christian in Iran? And we have members of our church here who are from Iran, converted to Christianity. But what's it like there? I read in Fox News this last, two, about two weeks ago, an article. And the article is, came on front page of Fox News, and it, it said, underground church movement grows in Iran despite regime's efforts. Immediately got my attention. So I began to read it, and it's, despite the Iranians' Regime's best efforts to stop the spread of Christianity, a large underground church movement is growing. Hundreds of Iranian citizens have been converting to Christianity, and many are being baptized in large ceremonies in underground churches held in private homes across the country. This month, one particular Christian ministry estimated that 200 Iranians and Afghans were secretly baptized in a service just across the Iranian border. It's an astronomical increase. One person said, which has been involved in Iran's underground church movement for more than two decades. It's been predominantly young people. We call it an awakening. From there, the article goes on to say that it's estimated that over the next three years that the number of Christians in Iran will spe- spread to over 7 million That's just based on their estimations right now, not based on a God who can cause the sound of a rushing wind to fill a house and just radically change hearts. You think of one of the most closed countries in the world, and it says there is an awakening taking place. The article said that it started at 9-11, Here, they're doing one of the worst things imaginable to our country. But the young people are going to see that, and God's going to use that to draw them unto himself. A network of underground churches throughout Iran, and it's spreading like wildfire. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. The same God in whom has worked throughout history and worked at Pentecost is working currently in a place like Iran. I can only imagine what's occurring in places like North Korea right now. The South Koreans sending tracks and balloons and having them pop over North Korea. The gospel going forward in a land like that in which you could be put to death. You see what's occurring in China with just millions upon millions upon millions people coming to know Christ even though the great majority of the church is underground and people are persecuted for their faith. The Holy Spirit is not bound by any of these things. The Holy Spirit has the ability to work in such ways that he can bring... Millions upon millions of people to the, nor- to the Lord. 3,000 people in one day. It's interesting when you look at, at our text here. It says, They were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear? When you look at, at this, from here it goes on to say, A list of people, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia. Those particular people that it's referring to right there, the Parthians, that's modern Iran. That is where that is. Those Medes are those that are part of, of what would be the Persians in Daniel's time, also the Parthian Empire. And that... Elamites are those that lived in the southwestern part of Iran. How radical is that? You, you read it here as far as in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, the first three groups that are mentioned are those that live in Iran. An area that is largely closed to the gospel today, but in which the Holy Spirit today is also working in a mighty way. I read from Open Doors a, a, an article that was given of a man in Iran named Ali. He says this, My name is Ali. Many years ago, I suffered from mental health issues. Nothing helped me to solve my problems. My condition steadily worsened. I felt a severe emptiness and loneliness inside myself. One day I was riding in a car on the street, and began yelling at every girl I saw along the way. The driver was a cheerful young man, and began talking to me. He asked what I was doing. I laughed and replied that it was fun. A few years ago, I was like you, he told me, but I've since experienced such a peace inside myself, which has filled all the gaps for me. As soon as he said that, I felt that he, I felt that he was the first person who knew what I really needed. While I didn't usually trust people, I trusted him and told him about my whole life and all the sins I had committed. I replied that my only problem was separation, or he replied that my only problem was separation from God, the one true God. He talked to me about Jesus Christ and I listened. When I got out of the car, he wrote the names of some Christian satellite channels on a paper and told me that I could watch them instead of drinking or going to parties. At first, I did not take it seriously and I did not think that it would be effective, but one day I tried it, and after watching one of the programs, my mind was changed, and I started to consistently watch these channels. And then from there, he said he became a Christian. Here's a taxi driver a taxi driver that is filled with the Spirit. A taxi driver driving in Iran, filled with the Spirit. Joy that this man had never seen before and willing to proclaim the gospel and point this man, this young man, to Christ. This was decades ago. And this man's been a part of leading the underground church in Iran. Walking in the spirit, filled with the spirit, knowing that God is able to work in absolutely incredible, incredible ways for his kingdom and for his glory. The same God of Pentecost is the same God in whom we serve here this morning. He's able to do those things. You may be here this morning and be thinking of your own life and the need for revival in your life. But for you it seems impossible. Please know that with God all things are possible. All things are possible. You see God caused this sound of a mighty wind to come into that particular room and to fill it. 3,000 people coming to know Christ. John chapter 3 and verse 6, it says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again, as Jesus speaks to Nicodemus. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. The wind blows where it wishes. You can hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. The Lord can cause his Holy Spirit to cause such revival in your life. The Holy Spirit can cause you to shine so brightly. Being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking to one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Giving thanks for all things. The Lord working in you to proclaim the works of God. The way in which we speak. The way in which we proclaim the good news. The way in which we have peace in the midst of incredible trials being filled with the Spirit to speak these things, the Lord can use again to save one individual named Ali or 3,000 people at one time. He is able to do that. I pray that as a result of our text this morning, that you would find yourself just having great confidence in our God not putting him in some box as if he's not able to work out of that today. He is. He made people speak languages that they didn't even know so that the people there could hear it and be amazed and in awe and believe. God is able to work in us and through us and change hearts and come like a wind where you don't know where it comes from or where it goes, but he can cause people to be born again. Eyes to be open, hearts to be changed. You may be around family or friends and whom it just seems like their hearts are so hard. Please have a huge view of God. He is able to change those hard hearts. If he wasn't, this room would be empty. What a God we serve. What a way he has worked with order. Passover, the feast of unleavened bread, the feast of Pentecost declared in Leviticus coming to fruition in Acts chapter two. And what a way he works to this day. The same God yesterday, today, and forever. Let's pray to him. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the way in which your Holy Spirit has worked so mightily in the church Jews and Gentiles coming together, shining so brightly for you and for your kingdom as a result of our hearts being changed and our sins being removed and the Holy Spirit given to us. We thank you that, that you gave us a picture of Pentecost, a picture of the Holy Spirit, a picture of you working even from the very beginning of Scripture. Pictures given, foreshadowed, come into fulfillment in Acts chapter 2. But giving us so much confidence that you, Lord, are able to continue that work which you began and you're able to move and change and work in people's hearts, even to this day. I pray that you would do that, Lord. I pray that you would work in our hearts, that our confidence of you would be so great. That if even the inclination is in our heart that I I can't share the gospel with that person because I'll just be ridiculed. Or I I don't know why I should share the gospel with that person because there's no way they'd ever come to know Christ. May we share the gospel with them, having the confidence that you're able to work just as you did in Acts chapter two. May we bring people next Sunday to hear the gospel proclaimed It's six o'clock here, and may you work in people's hearts there in the same way that you worked in people's hearts in Acts chapter 2. Thank you for working in our hearts, Lord. Thank you that this room is not empty. Thank you that you blew within our hearts in such a way of causing us to be born again through faith in you. Lord, I know that there could be people here right now that don't know you. They haven't yet trusted in you for their salvation. They're still trusting in their own works and not trusting that you fulfilled all righteousness and you died on the cross for our sins, that whoever would believe in you wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. May today be the day in which they put all their hope, all their faith, all their trust in you. May today be the day of salvation for them. I pray that there won't be one person that leaves these doors on this morning without knowing you. May you now be exalted through the praises of your people, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.